gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. On today's show, I wanted to talk to you about the concept of finding a puppy and the thought process of saying that a dog would be too much dog for someone. I had someone recently that showed up at my kennel with a dog. Uh, They weren't happy with the dog and they said, you know what, with your lines, I just didn't think I could handle one of your dogs. Now, they were looking for a hunting dog. That would be so far from the truth that I had to sit them down and I was like, you need to ask what a kennel breeds for. When you look at our kennel, Soggy Acres Retrievers, we do put a nice pedigree together. Our males run competitively in hunt tests. The the pedigrees are predominantly field trial and hunt test titles. And by all appearance, you would think that these dogs were hot to handle, as in they would be bouncing off the walls and would be a very, very hard dog for the average person or inexperienced person to handle. That just isn't true when you look at how we breed our dogs. Now, there are some kennels that are breeding for all power and their goal, their stated goal is that they want to win uh, field trial competitions, get field champions on their dogs, and that's what they breed for. There are many kennels like Soggy Acres Retrievers where You're breeding for a dog that has a great makeup. It has a switch in the house where it's a great pet and also has all the ability in the world to run hunt tests and hunting. Does that mean that it wouldn't be a good pet? Well, that's where your questions need to come into play, where you talk to the breeder and basically find out what they do breed for. Are their dogs house dogs? How are their dogs? What do they consider a perfect dog? And can you go and visit some of their dogs and see them in a house setting? We always have four to five dogs in our house. So when people come over for visits, we let them in our house. And you get to see that, yes, they're dogs, they're labs. They are very excited when people get there. They are bouncing around. They want to be pet. They're bringing you toys. But at a point, as we continue talking to the people, they leave. They go lay down. That switch turns back off and you can see that they are a quality pet. When you look at dogs, don't just look at the pedigrees. Don't just look at the titles, but realize that with a well-bred dog, there should be more that goes to it. There should be more that would be important to the breeder and you need to talk to them and have them explain that so you do understand. I have seen some of the most hyper high-strung dogs come from breedings where the people just wanted to have a litter of puppies 
and they used their neighbor's dog because it was convenient. They loved their own animal. They decided this is convenient to use the neighbor's dog down the block or a friend's dog. And they put them together. And what they ended up with was a dog that couldn't duck hunt because it was constantly vocal. Uh, we get them in for obedience training where they are just bouncing off the walls. And it's going to get to the point where this dog is very high strung in the house and really struggles to fit into that pet mode, which is what 98% of their life is. Just because you get a dog that is a hunting dog doesn't mean it's going to hunt. Just because you get a dog with a great pedigree doesn't mean it's going to bounce off the walls. So when you're looking for a dog, whether it's for a pet or whether it's for a hunting dog or you want to run competitively, talk to the breeder. There are some breeders that will openly tell you that the dog that or the puppies that they're selling need to have a job. These are dogs that need to run competitively because they are going to need to burn off energy. They're being honest with you. They're telling you what they have. They're telling you what these dogs should do. And those are the ones that are going to hopefully place them with people that would be a good fit. Don't get upset if you say, I want to have this dog that is just, you know, a rocket that's going to be able to field champion and run competitively and run in field trials or run hunt tests. And then you get a dog that is just that rocket. And when you don't exercise them, you end up with a dog that's bouncing off the walls. Talk to your breeder. Make sure you're finding what you're looking for. And then you make the choice uh, to purchase. Right now, the market is incredibly flooded with clients. We are getting 20 to 30 calls a week. And at this point, I think we have about three spots left for all of 2021 in our litters. Training-wise, our gun dog program is full and has been full since November 30th. And uh, obedience-wise, we are still taking dogs. We take at least two dogs at a time, so we'll have plenty of room for that. But if you're looking for a puppy, try to not make timing what is most important to you. Still research, still find a good dog. You may have to wait into uh, late fall, into winter of next year to get a really, really well-bred dog. And that should be what is most important for you because you can end up making mistakes when timing is what's the most, exp uh, most important thing in the entire thought process of your purchase. Take your time, find someone you wanna do business with, and especially now, realize it's going to be a wait. I know with labs, especially in the lab world, there's usually plenty of uh, options out there. And it's kind of interesting because when you have people that have different breeds that aren't as popular, people normally will wait up to two years to get a puppy out of a certain breed. And with labs, it, people are so hardwired to want one now. Well, it's just a lab. It's just a lab. Get any lab. Get It doesn't matter. No, it does matter. You have to make sure that you are getting a well-bred dog so that you are going to be happy. When you're looking at labs, there are three recognized colors, black, yellow, and chocolate. If you ever see different colors, do your research. You can go on the club website, uh, Labrador Retriever Club, and you can read up on the variations of colors, and you can see that uh, the, the, the different reasons why only these three colors are recognized. When you look at chocolates, you're obviously there anywhere from a, a lighter milkish chocolate to a dark chocolate. Blacks are black. 
yellow will range anywhere from a white color all the way to a rusty colored fox red color. You'll see like our kind of, we, we advertise that we have fox reds. It's a dark coated yellow Labrador Retriever. There is no difference when you look at color in the dog's ability, in the dog's temperament, uh, in the dog's uh, future as a pet. There's no difference in color. It all comes down to the breeder, what they breed for, and the pedigree. You'll hear differently. You'll hear that wives' tale that yellows are hyper, chocolates are stupid, blacks are bullheaded. You hear all of those things. Ultimately, it comes down to what does your breeder breed for that you've chosen? And go and see some of their dogs. If you can, try to see the dogs in a house setting. Uh, like with our kennel, you're not going to see all the dogs together because uh, we own uh, 25 females. Our females are all placed in homes, but the beauty of that is we can evaluate our dogs so that we know they're good house dogs. We bring them back. We evaluate their ability. But when you come to our house, there's four or five dogs here. Again, that's important. You want to be able to see the dogs, not just for their health, not just for uh, their coats and, and, and size, but what are they like? as pets. So that would be the thought process for now as we're in uh, winter, headed towards spring. Think long term. Think that you're going to have this dog for 15 years. Talk to the breeder and make the right choice. Next up, we're going to have a great training tip. And after that, we're going to have a hunting tip after this. This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. Welcome to today's training tip on the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. Today, I thought we'd continue the thought process of working with a dog that has a lot of drive, otherwise known as a high drive dog, when you are doing your training and how to handle it. Again, it all comes down to consistency. You need to remember that if you let a dog of any drive get away with something, they remember that. They file it in their doggy lexicon of a brain and put it in their thought process and they will show you that they did remember it when you have the uh, issue, whether it's not finishing your retrieve or it is not or breaking or just not being steady. Dogs will basically run or perform to the level that you have accepted that meaning that if you let a dog inch forward during training, they will eventually inch forward and break during hunting. If you let a dog drop at your feet, they are going to drop at your feet and eventually four to five feet from you uh, during hunting. So you want to make sure that you're consistent and that you are applying your pressure, whether that be negative praise, whether that be uh, an ear pinch, whether that be an e-collar correction, so that the dog understands that they have to obey all the time. If you're consistent with dogs, they will perform their structure. They will be so much happier as well as you will. If you are inconsistent, that is when we as hunters and trainers will get frustrated and we will overcorrect and not treat the dog fairly. Ultimately, if your dog is performing at a less than uh, stellar level, you always need to look at the trainer and handler, which is you. 
So I hope that helps with today's training tip. Stay tuned for our hunting tip, which will be about a high drive dog handling him in the field coming up next after this. This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Now we're going to go through our hunting tip, which again, we're going to stay on the same level, which is you've got that dog that you feel is too much to handle for yourself, which I will start this by saying my first dog, her name was Lilybell, and she ran me in the field. I made so many mistakes with her. I uh, had so much fun with her. She gave me the love for the sport, uh, but at the same time, she also made me look the fool many times in the field, and I learned a lot from that as a trainer and a handler. When you're out in the field, you need to remember you are a handler first. So when you're hunting, you need to not only worry about shooting and calling birds and watching the field, but you need to worry about your four-legged partner. That needs to actually be first. You're a handler first, hunter second when you're out there with your dog. And that is especially most important the first season or two that you have them in the field. I tell my clients when you first go to the field, go out with someone else. Do not even take a gun. Be a handler. Watch the dog. You can see your holes in your training and handling the first time you're out in the field because you'll see the dog do things and kind of look up at you wondering if they can get away with it. Whether it's inching forward, whether it's sticking their head out of the uh dog blind when birds are working, breaking on the first shots when the birds fall. You need to work with the dogs on this. This doesn't necessarily have anything to do with your level of training you're at, but more this is your handling in the field. I took two of my own dogs out this year on their first extensive extensive waterfowl hunts. One is qualified all age, grand titled, uh, he's got his HRCH title master title and has one pass in the grand. The other has his HRCH title and one pass in the uh, HRC grand. Both are high level competition dogs. They are highly trained and both broke during teal season. So this gave me something I had to correct. In past, one of the big critiques I always had of my TV show was that my dogs would occasionally break. You try to explain to people, it isn't something that you're correcting all dogs will break at some point when hunted at certain levels. And the issue I had with TV sh- with the TV show is that you were hunting from September through February and you had so many other worries other than the dog breaking occasionally with camera angles, microphones, kids, guides, sponsors. So much stuff was an issue that you... Uh, it led to your dogs getting loose during the year and then you had to fix it uh, during the off season. But now that I'm not filming anymore, I've dedicated myself to make sure my dogs do not break. And both my dogs that have grand passes, which the HRC grand is built on obedience and dogs not doing what I had happened. Both dogs broke and had to be corrected. And they both broke several times. Again, it had less to do then with me hunting and more to do with me being a handler, putting the gun down and making sure the dogs were doing as they were supposed to. Whether it's waterfowl where they are breaking uh, with birds hitting the ground or the water or birds coming in or upland where the dog is taking off running looking like a little house in a prairie where the girl runs over the over the hill into the field. 
you have to make sure that you are watching the dogs so that you can be a good handler and then correcting them the minute that they do something so that you have consistency and you have the dog understanding they have to listen at all times. You're going to have more fun in the field with your dog under control and zero frustration as opposed to maybe getting that one or two extra birds early on in the dog's hunting career and then dealing with a lifetime of screaming at your dog, being frustrated, and overcorrecting your dog and not being fair. So I hope that helps with today's hunting tip. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. Have a great day and God bless. Sporting Dog Adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under